0: Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare.
1: 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... Um, tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber Skincare.
0: have you ever experienced a dry itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised well unfiltered mineral filled water could be the reason why did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry irritated skin and that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in.
1: Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended
0: You get member-exclusive pricing...
1: What's in the box?
0: ...on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses.
1: It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game
0: this,
1: this is, is the game, game of Roses Welcome to, to the, the Game of, of roses. roses Oh, good morning Did I sleep on my couch? Yes But is today a great day for a
0: vaccine? Absolutely Am I going to shower first? No, it's
1: early Who showers before 10?
0: Last night's makeup Today's smokey eye.
1: Look, I hate getting shots, but I'm not doing this for me.
0: I do it for my mom,
1: who's an essential worker, or my sister, who's pregnant, or my nieces and nephews, who are still in school. I do it for my grandparents, my
0: friends, my community, for you. Thank you. part. Get the vaccine. Let's fight this together.
1: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
0: This is Bachelor Clues. And it's Thursday. (laughs) So you know what that means. We've got all the Bachelor Nation news that you're craving this week. And there's a lot of it.
1: There is a lot.
0: (laughs) There's so much. This was one of the biggest bachelor nation news pieces we've ever written it took a long time but it's going to be very good there's a lot of parasocial play as well it was a huge week for yep. parasocial work packed so we're going to be covering all of Tough that comp. and we're going to give you some screams from the pit at the end of this little episode of course but before we do any of that we're going to start this week in bachelor nation as we start it every week by talking about some larger news in the broader scope of humanity the world our species and then we're going to relate it to bachelor nation this is game of roses
1: state of the world the biggest news in the world right now is still the pandemic and currently india is getting crushed by it they're now reporting about 1 million new coronavirus cases every three days, with the daily death total exceeding 3,293 on Wednesday, according to data from the Indian Ministry of Health. Their healthcare system is near a breaking point, and they had a second wave emerging alongside a new local variant that was identified in late March.
0: So, this is kind of what's going on globally with the pandemic. Meanwhile, back here stateside in this country that at least Pace Case and I live in, we don't know where you're all listening from, but most of you are listening from the same country, <laughs> the United States of America.
1: We got international pit. There
0: is an international pit. We There's love pit, them. Pits everywhere in the world, wherever you may be. What's happening here in America is as this information is filtering to us about the pandemic everywhere else in the world, the biggest news about the pandemic here in America is that Joe Rogan who is one of the most popular and highest paid podcasters in the world, has dipped his toe into the anti-vax conversation this week. This video came out and audio also from his podcast on his Spotify exclusive podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. He told listeners that if a 21-year-old asked him if they should get vaccinated, he would suggest no. In quotes, he said... People say, do you think it's safe to get vaccinated? I've said, yeah. I think for the most part, it's safe to get vaccinated. I do. I do. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I'll go, no. Are you healthy? (laughs) Are you a healthy person? If you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, like, I don't think you need to worry about this. This video has gone everywhere. It is super viral. Millions of people have seen it.
1: This uh, has prompted Dr. Fauci, who is in charge of the coronavirus response here in the United States, to come out and say that Joe Rogan's comments on the COVID-19 vaccine are incorrect.
0: But this is where we increasingly are getting our news in this country. And this is kind of what we want to talk about in the state of the world. Joe Rogan is a massive news source for people. Joe Rogan is a stand-up comedian who hosts UFC tournaments and is most known for hosting a show where people eat bugs. And this guy is now a thought leader on the same level as the guy running the national COVID response. They are doing public battle in social media as to who is correct, who has the better ideas about whether or not you should be taking the COVID vaccine. And they have equal footing, in my opinion.
1: Actually, in my opinion, Joe Rogan may have a leg up on Fauci. I mean, Fauci doesn't have a $100 million licensing deal, reportedly.
0: (laughs) Right. Maybe he does. We don't know. He doesn't. That was a joke. But
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're spreading fake news now.
0: (gasps) We're in this weird era where there is Almost no objective news. You're getting your news from some talking head coming through you, coming through some screen parasocially, and you have to decide do I believe Joe Rogan? Do I believe Fauci? And increasingly, you're just going to believe whatever is said to you by the person who gives you your news, by the strongest parasocial relationship in your life. Even if it is somebody who does an in quotes news show, like a Rachel Maddow, for example. Like, yeah, she delivers the news. But it's stilted. It's with her bias, for sure. Same thing with John Oliver.
1: I mean, it is less mental energy, perhaps, to just pick people you trust and then just learn the news from them via summary. I'm sure there are people who don't get news outside of Joe Rogan. I'm sure they experience the world just through his lens. Because that's how big of a following he has.
0: Absolutely, I have, uh, you know, multiple text threads as we all do with various groups of
1: friends. Brag. Sorry, <laughs> maybe we all don't have that. I don't know. All I right, feel like social butterfly. That's right. I've
0: got a bunch of text threads going on with a bunch of different friends. Okay, with different groups. Some friends are in two groups, three groups, but you know, it's mm-hmm. all different. I have a lot going on. But there is a person in one of these threads who will send news items. And I it thought you just said
1: send- nudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you have a cool friend.
0: There's <laughs> this one dude who keeps sending us dick pics, and we're like, we've seen it since
1: third grade. I had a friend on. like that.
0: Uh, no, he sends news, and it will always see it. The thing will say, did you guys see this news, or something like that, but it will always have the word mm-hmm. news in it, and it will always be, always be, a clip from Bill Moore. Oh, no. And I'm just like, holy fuck. Like, that's how he gets his news. I that's hope you the muted that thread. That's not news. He's commenting on the news, but he's not breaking the news. He's not a news Right, your source. friend
1: isn't sending you the, the AP report, which I saw was on a, there's a graph. I'm not sure where I saw it, but there is a graph that lists like, all of the different news outlets and where, how biased they are. And there's like a few that are actually just in the center, but they're less interesting perhaps. (laughs)
0: Well, exactly. Because it's like the news at its face, just objective reporting of facts is what no one wants anymore. You want the biased interpretation of that news and you want that bias to fit your bias. You want to be entertained Mm -hmm. by the news. You don't want to be informed by it anymore. And that's where we are in this country. It's a scary fucking place to be because it obviously has allowed things like a Donald Trump to take office by saying, here's the news and they can just make shit up. And if it fits your kind of worldview, if you already trust that person, that parasocial The confirmation bias. It's confirmation bias for sure. Uh, so we just thought that it was interesting to note as this Joe Rogan video is floating around- that it's just kind of proof of the the version of the world we live in now where people are more keyed into various talking heads' opinions about the news than they are about the actual news itself. And so how does this relate to our beloved game?
1: Easy. <laughs> Who's the first person we saw get the COVID vaccine?
0: Joe Park, who I trust for all of my news. Yes. <laughs>
1: I only get my news from Joe Park now, and it is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> he has posted a series of vaccine videos explaining various concerns that people have and uh, dismantling fake news about vaccines as well. And he has continued to do that, and we thank him for this work. Dismantling, is that the word? Disconstructing? Debunking. It's been debunking.
0: But we're increasingly engaging with people in parasocial relationships and being entertained by them, certainly, but falling under this false impression that they are delivering news to us. Even things like what was happening with all the protests this last summer, anything that happens in the news, really, the insurrection. We immediately go to Bachelor Nation mm-hmm. to see who's reacting in what way, and that their reactions become some version of news to us what they think about these events is news to us here in the pit yes and i'm like shit i don't know is that good is that
1: bad like it can't be good i mean right? i'm i'm always going to remember this time for like the fact that i saw covid and the insurrection and blm all through the bachelor nation lens And that is where I learned about a lot of different viewpoints that I might not get in my social circles. I also have a bunch of group texts with various interesting friends. Congrats. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's strange. I'll look back on this time in my life as well as completely influenced by The Bachelor. I mean, I don't do anything that isn't. Mm Maybe I do. I did do one thing. We'll get to that in screams from the pit. But uh, it's just a very strange thing that Joe Rogan clip really made me start thinking very heavily about what is the state of news coverage in America. How are we as a kind of media population engaging with factual information? Because when Joe Rogan. And what is
1: our responsibility as a podcast for who are delivering news?
0: We're not really delivering news, though. We fall into the Joe Rogan category. We, unlike Joe Rogan, have both been vaccinated. And if I had children, I never (laughs) will. But if I had children, I would definitely get them vaccinated. But we are of that variety of people who make media where we are commenting on the news. We're not really breaking news stories. We're reading the news and seeing what's going on, and we're reporting it back in kind of um, an aggregated way. So that whoever's listening to our show, you don't have to spend the fucking literally 24 hours a day looking through all this shit on the internet like we do. We give it to you in a nice, concise, hour-ish long version. And yeah, we put our opinions on it. We tell you what we think about it. But that's not news. We are simply telling you our opinions. And hopefully they're entertaining. They may even align with what your opinions are. But that's what our podcast is. And really, that's what most of these different things are. Even like a John Oliver. Yes, he's doing great work and talking about factual things that happened. Yeah, but he's also funny. He's writing jokes. And his opinion is all over the shit he's talking about. That is not Mm -hmm. news.
1: Yeah, including which things he's choosing to talk about. Speaking of the vaccine, by the way, (laughs) this just in. We got a Katie Thurston comes out of the bubble and she comes out with this vaccine PSA video
0: which was the audio that you heard at the top of today's show and we are going to be discussing that a little bit later in this episode but that's another form of like what is this is it news she's trying to get you to get a vaccine basically it's not really news it's Mm -hmm. I I don't we'll we'll discuss that later in more detail because it is very interesting
1: okay fine yes
0: But we just wanted to take our state of the world as an opportunity to talk about what is going on and how are we at a point in America now where Joe Rogan is in a public debate with Dr. Fauci about whether or not to get a vaccine and both sides are convincing people. It's frightening. It is. And it's we're only moving forward, I feel like, in this direction with The Rock as our next president in Two and a half years, three years.
1: In my biased opinion, if you are about 21 years old, please get vaccinated. <laughs> please, please do it. Yeah, yeah. same. I, I'll, right now, this is Even not Even if news, you're jacked is- as hell and you're ripped and hot and <laughs> think you'll live forever, you got a middle part, just do it.
0: What's a middle part have to do with it?
1: A middle? Oh, my God. Clues, you're so out of touch. (laughs) Gen Z, they're all into middle parts now. What's a middle part? So, you see my hair, how there's like a line? That's your part. Uh If I put it here, that's the middle.
0: I see. It is a hairdo. And
1: this, my side part, is showing my age, and it's showing that I'm a millennial. Holy shit. Yeah.
0: What if I don't have a part at all?
1: I don't know. You could draw one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's
0: state of the world. Thank you for <laughs> indulging. Hopefully, everybody out there is being safe, getting the professionally recommended... Get enjoy this. Vaccine. Intellectual
1: and- critique of society. <laughs> draw a middle part on your bald head.
0: <laughs> and now we are going to move on to... objective coverage of actual news This is
1: (music) Bachelor Nation News Katie Thurston is at the tip of the news this week A new promo was released for her upcoming season on the official Bachelorette ABC Instagram. The promo features a few clips from her time in season 25, some new footage of Thurston on a swing in a purple dress, and a t-shirt that reads, Be a Katie as she fidgets with a rose. And the entire video is scored by the Selena Gomez song, Ring. The high production value that has been a hallmark of Bachelorette promos in recent seasons seems to have been discarded for season 17, at least up to this point. It conveys no strong identity for Thurston. The slogan, be a Katie, isn't explained in any way or even acknowledged other than the words being printed on her shirt. The strongest thematic element is the color purple a clear allusion to Thurston's dildo from night one of season 25. Perhaps a more elaborate promo is yet to come, but this one seemed ill-conceived and rushed at best.
0: I watched this thing probably um, 75 times, trying to glean some information from it there's none to be had i can tell you that that's objective news (laughs) this promo is nothing i don't understand it what does be a katie mean
1: i okay so i think that that was supposed to be juxtaposed with the scene of her on season 25 standing up for people and like what's right and sticking to her guns but there's nobody in that
0: season that's like, you're a Katie. And then she's now owning that and being like, that's right, motherfucker. I am a Katie. Be a Katie is something like a marketing person came up with that as the, mm-hmm. her slogan, basically. It's like Becca Kufrin, do the damn thing or Hannah Brown, be bold. That is what they're trying to force down our throats here. And it is not Claire Crawley,
1: well. show up.
0: Exactly. Need be a, a Katie a is man. meaningless.
1: What was the man one? be a real man Who was that? I don't know. Tasha, Tasha Claire. It was like There was a group date that was oh, like A grown
0: man. Grown ass grown
1: man. Grown ass man. Yeah. Yeah. This is so No,
0: this different. is
1: this is wild. It feels like some sort of <sighs> crazed dream. What was the swing? She's on a fucking swing? She's on a swing. She's on a disembodied porch with no building behind it. I have no idea. I'm
0: very hopeful that there is best, or there is a better promo yet
1: to come. Because this ain't it. I mean, there's theories out there that this is a revenge promo for Thurston tweeting about DLH's firing.
0: And ending the season early, which we'll get to in a second. I really feel like there has to be a better one to come. Do you remember fucking Hannah Brown's promo where she's walking through like yes. a magical Cinderella. forest and takes off the the bulky kind of dress to reveal like now it's fucking down to business? Pantsuit. Oh my God, that shit was fucking art. That shit was... Yeah. It was fucking beautiful. It should have won a
1: fucking Oscar. What was the version of that for Claire though? We're also in covid there's limitations i'm like they showed claire sort of in a wedding-esque dress which is part of why you thought there was gonna be a wedding Mm -hmm. but those but there was nothing to that
0: there was nothing to it it just seemed like it had a a little more attention to detail and there wasn't this like with this katie thurston one what the fuck is be a katie mean what the fuck does that swing mean it's just a bunch of shit thrown together that makes no sense they're giving us no basis to understand what her identity is. Claire Crawley, yeah. her identity was clear from the very beginning. She's the oldest bachelorette, she's serious looking for love. Tasha, identity very clear from the beginning. She's replacing Claire and there was the in that um
1: she didn't even get an intro.
0: Didn't need it. Didn't fucking need it. It's <laughs> Tasha. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I'm not saying that Katie necessarily needs it. We know what her identity is as well. If we watch season 25, she's bold. She's going to speak her mind. She's very sex positive. She's got all these Mm -hmm. fantastic qualities. None of those come through in this promo.
1: I can't believe they didn't at least put the sex positive thing in there. Like it's going to be a buzz of a season or something.
0: You know, on her Instagram, she posted a picture of with a shirt that said something about no fake orgasms or something like that. Do you remember this? hmm yeah. That would have been better. I mean, obviously they can't do that on yeah. ABC. It's a family show, blah, blah, blah. But be a Katie?
1: What does that mean? Time will tell. <laughs> I don't think it will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our next item of
0: Bachelor Nation news is also <laughs> about the upcoming season of The Bachelorette. The season is over. Shooting has concluded. What? I know. This week saw a deluge of social media posts from players, hosts, and even Thurston herself as they've all returned home and been released from their social media shackles. And there is some early reporting emerging that Thurston's season wrapped a little earlier than expected, by one week in fact. So what does that mean? Is this a Dale Moss situation? Did she get down to the final 3 and decided I know who I want? Or perhaps this is a (sighs) Womackian dilemma. And Thurston made an executive decision that none of her suitors were her person. We don't know what the reality of the situation is, but if she made the decision to end the season early, there could very well be retribution from the producers by way of unfavorable edits for Thurston throughout the season. After the parade of maliciousness from producers in season 25, we hope that's not the case. And we are anxiously awaiting night one which will air very shortly on June 7th. We have a little over a month until we are Um, furiously typing into a brand new spreadsheet, 30-plus limo (laughs) exit types, and who's winning the fimp, and the rose ceremony order, and it all starts again.
1: I can't wait. Really hope it's not a Womackian dilemma. What does she gain from that? She gains
0: authority. There is something, and I believe that her early ending of the season does have to do with her authority. I think Katie Thurston has taken control of the show. I think we are going to see a season unlike any we have ever seen. I think we're going to see <sighs> at least one, perhaps multiple group dates dismissed by her, where they all show Why? up. Because I think she's going to say to herself... When they usher in 12 dudes to start beating the shit out of each other in a boxing ring for her pleasure, they're going to show up and she's going to be like, you know what? I want to get to know you guys. This is not how I think that should be done. I'm canceling this. And I think that's pro- such a Katie. That's be a Katie. Be a Katie. <laughs> Fuck the producers over. I think the producers are. I think she might have done. Thi- Look, this is all conjecture. I have no fucking uh-huh. basis for any of this, but in my head, this is my Keep fantasy going. playing out. It's my fantasy. Uh huh. She doesn't even talk to the producers about any of this shit. She lets them set their traps mm-hmm. and set these group dates up, and the guys show up, and the producers are like, "Okay, now strip down to your jock straps," and then she just stands up and goes, "Don't keep your clothes on, and let's have some conversations." That's my <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is my fantasy for Bachelorette. It's a Mormon 17. fantasy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: Bring back Sean Love. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I just get the feeling that she took control of the season and that's why it ended early and why the producers may be a little pissed at her.
1: Look, I hope we see some more signature Katie moves like the DLH tweet. I want to see it. I am scared that there will be retribution.
0: There can't be much retribution though because it's like she still is the anchor of the show. Yeah, 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 but what are they going to do? Totally villainize her?
1: They have Michelle Young in the wings, couldn't they?
0: Yeah, I, there's so much riding on this season, though. It's going to not have Dark right. Lord. It's going to. You're right. Set it doesn't have DLH.
1: You're right. Speed agree they can't villainize her.
0: I don't think they can villainize anybody. I think after season 25, the producers are very aware that these overtly malicious attempts to make people look like shit did not go over well. Matt James' stuff aside and Rachel Carconnell's stuff aside, even the bullying that happened when they brought the five new players in and what happened to Heather Mm -hmm. Martin and all that, people didn't like that. I think they're very aware of it. And I don't think they're going to do it to the same degree. They're at least going to hide it better. Their hand in it, I mean. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. I could be wrong. These are just speculations. This is not news. But the news is that the season did end a week early. That is for real. And it's over now. Everybody's back home.
1: Speaking of things ending, Rachel Lindsay is in the news this week. On the April 27th episode of Bachelor Happy Hour, she announced that she is leaving Bachelor Happy Hour after 100 episodes. She said, we started off this podcast talking about how much fun it is, and it is, and the community we've started, and, we've already, and we're already here with the 100 episodes, and I'm proud of it and what it's become. For me, I've been struggling. That's no secret, and it's been really, really hard for me lately, and a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast are also about taking care of yourself and finding your peace and protecting that peace and protecting your mental health. So for me, I just feel like I've come to the end of doing the podcast. This past year has easily, end quote, this past year has easily been the worst in the game's history where bullying and racism are concerned, fueled largely by the producers over attempts to turn players against each other in season 16 of The Bachelorette and season 25 of The Bachelor, The toxic environment in game and in the fandom of the show have led to many players like Lindsay and Ashley Spivey to take breaks from social media to preserve their mental health. We wish Lindsay good luck and continued happiness in all of her next endeavors, and we know she knows that she will certainly be missed. Lindsay was the loudest and most coherent voice of criticism of the franchise’s problematic treatment of race, and we are left wondering who will step in to fill that void if anyone will at all. Praise be Rachel Lindsay.
0: This was very disturbing news to me. And I, she had mentioned it before on happy hour that when her contract was up, she was gone. She was going to no longer be part of the bachelor Mm -hmm. world. I don't know how true that will be ultimately because even on extra, whenever they're interviewing bachelor people, they're going to make her do that. So she's going to be tied to it a little bit, but she's just not going to be in a contract with any of the bachelor companies. And What does Bachelor Happy Hour become after this? Who does fill that spot?
1: I have no idea. No one can. If I may. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He's got his own podcast. Mike Johnson is what I was going to say, but he's got his own thing Mm. going on with Brian. I don't know.
1: Here's who I think they can do. Michelle Young.
0: Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, she might be able to. She might be able to step in. It's just like there. Rachel Lindsay carried so much fucking weight. It's like what happens to that weight if somebody else doesn't pick it up I and mean, fucking yeah. carry it? It just sits there, you know. For progress in Bachelor Nation, there are a lot of people speaking out about it now. Obviously, many more than there have been in past years. But she was the she was the person doing the most work, like hands down, bar right. none. And now that person's gone or is about to be.
1: Yeah, it does feel like we have been losing some of those important voices lately. And it's tough.
0: It is. And I'm not advocating for her to return or anything. Please be free. Get the fuck out of this.
1: She does not have to live her life for the bachelor's benefit. And she has higher learning. She can comment on bachelor things if she chooses to.
0: Totally, in a completely unfettered way, which is, you know, better. Mm -hmm. We will miss her, though. It was always a good feeling to know that there are people like Rachel Lindsay still in the meat of this world that were helping to kind of push it in a direction. From the outside, she's not going to be able to do as much in service of that. Like, when she came out and and basically said... She said
1: she would cut ties with the franchise if there wasn't a Black Bachelor.
0: Yeah, I, I think she was instrumental In getting the franchise to take that step. And it's like, I don't know who has that kind of power moving forward or who is willing to lay that much on the line moving forward. Who even has that much to lay on the line moving forward? You know, she carried a certain gravitas that no one else ever will Mm -hmm. because she was the first Black Bachelorette. She was the first person to have to deal with all this shit with a Lee Garrett, with being called back to the women tell all to do the anti bullying thing, with all of that. No one else will have ever gone through it.:
1: I think one of the newbies, I think one of the newbies is is the choice. the younger younger players.
0: Yeah, carry it for the next generation yeah i'm I'm hopeful I, maybe that's naive. I always find myself being hopeful in moments like this that whatever's going to happen next, when we find ourselves in these kind of limbo areas, that whatever will happen next will be good for the franchise overall. I feel similarly about whatever's going to happen with hosting, which we're going to talk about in a second. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Congrats to Rachel Lindsay, and thank you, Rachel Lindsay, for everything that you have done for our beloved game over the past, shit, six years, I guess, she's been in. It's a long time.
1: Since pre-Trump.
0: Yeah. Moving on. Our next piece of Bachelor news involves somebody different. The Dark Lord himself. Although we're including this in Bachelor Nation news, this is not verified, so it's not actually news. It's more like Bachelor Nation conjecture, as it always is when Dumois is involved. This week, the Blind Item Gossip Instagram account posted a paragraph of text about the likelihood of Harrison returning to the franchise from an unverified source. We are going to read that message for you now. It reads, The producers of The Bachelorette are not big fans of Katie. If you're wondering why her promo looks so low budget, here's the reason. The show was ready to welcome back Chris Harrison, but Katie needed to sign off on it. He called her to make sure that Katie would be cool if he returned. She said no. Then she tweeted immediately after the call that Harrison would not be returning to the show. Production and Chris were not expecting that. Now, they are finding that everyone has a problem with Chris returning as host, and they may never be able to bring him back because no one wants him there. Multiple contestants and leads have expressed they do not want him there for Bachelor in Paradise and Michelle's season of The Bachelorette. Stick a fork in him. He's done. Now, the (laughs) high-powered attorney he hired makes sense. Chris Harrison will never be back as host of any show for the franchise. Anonymous, please. We know parts of this to be true. Thurston did issue a tweet that seemed to successfully block Harrison from hosting duties on her season. And we've obviously seen players come together to issue group statements denouncing racism within the franchise. And even players like Ivan Hall expressly stating that he would not play in the next season of Bachelor in Paradise if Harrison was the host. So we have no real idea if Harrison is banished from his own kingdom for all time or if this item on Dumois is, like so much of their other content, completely baseless. As always, time will tell, but this is interesting. The fact that there are these little mm-hmm. pieces of truth sprinkled into this, in my mind, lended a little more credibility.
1: You think the fork is in him? Cooked.
0: I don't know. I just don't know. If that happens, I mean, this is the, the, where my head goes with this. There is some chain of decision being made about this. Currently, or maybe it's been made. Maybe, uh, we don't know. But the chain of decision is basically between the high-up executive producers, you're talking like Mike Fleiss level of the show, mm-hmm. ABC Network, potentially Warner Brothers is in there. I doubt NZK Productions has involved much, the production company. But high-level executives who are running, in some cases, billion-dollar corporations are deciding if Chris Harrison gets to come back at this point. Once the decision is made, does he get a call or do they just ghost him? I believe he probably has to get a call because I believe he probably was contracted for many, many seasons. And then they said, you Mm -hmm. have to step away. He then hires the lawyer to be like, I have a contract with these people. This is what my job is. I have not done anything out of the bounds of my contract. In fact, going on that extra thing, they made me do that. I was doing what they told me and now they're firing me. It may not be legal what they're doing. So he might have some ground on that. I believe, though, he is probably at the very least contractually owed some decision about this. Some phone call at the very least. And if he hasn't gotten it yet, he's still in the game.
1: I do feel like, and if this is the case, if Thurston's tweet did force this decision I do feel like her season was the place to slip him back in because I don't think you do that in Bachelor in Paradise and I don't think you do that on Michelle Young's season so it's like for me he's cooked like mm-hmm. if he's not in that he's going to be gone for what is that one two three seasons mm-hmm. and and after the final rose I just don't get the Sure, people are up in arms. They're not going to watch it if he doesn't come back. I don't really believe that. I think you have to replace him eventually at some point anyway, Mm -hmm. and now would be a natural place to do that.
0: Totally. This is really a battle about cancel culture. For Chris Harrison, I mean. It's like, is cancel culture going to beat him in his mind? That's why he wants to come back. Like yes, I'm sure he feels tied to the show and stuff. Obviously, it's been his life career, but this is about winning to him. If he gets to come back, fuck everybody. He won. If he doesn't, he's been beat. And so I think he's yeah, trying yeah, it's his as hard legacy. Yeah, it's his legacy. All of that. I do think they actually can put him back on Paradise. I think if they have a shot, it's mm. Paradise. Because when you have Bachelorette or Bachelor, even a lead of the show saying they don't want this guy to be the host of their show, their season. That's, that's hard to force him down. Somebody's throat paradise. How many people are going to say they're not going to be on paradise. If it's him, all of them. Fuck. No, of course not. People on paradise are very replaceable. Okay. You don't want to be on paradise. Cause right. Chris is the host fucking kick rocks. We got, especially for this paradise. We got a hundred other people we can replace you with. Bye.
1: It's a night one guy and gal. Season, just, <laughs> the entire night one. <laughs> Would be I, interesting. I, I, be that.
0: I just think that like they, they have the opportunity to force him into paradise if they want to. That exists. I think that's his mm-hmm. most likely return. They have
1: a conversation in the palapa about re- race relations, similar to what they had about sexual assault.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. They could totally do that. I just feel like until the host thing is settled. Whatever it's going to be, if it's going to be Chris Harrison returning, if they're going to do two hosts that are leads from prior seasons that are
1: rotating, I don't think you want the rotating host thing.
0: I don't think you do either. You need an anchor. You need some sense of yeah. sameness every season to tie it all together. I think they need to find And a new they'll host. get
1: more authority the longer they're there.
0: Yeah, totally. So until that's settled, until there's some final decision made, Chris Harrison is coming back or he's not, and here is who's replacing him, I think the whole Bachelor world is going to seem very unstable.
1: You think it's getting to the people that make the promos? <laughs> They're just like, what's going on? Okay, put a swing in there.
0: Just imagine that fucking meeting. You're sitting around the table with a bunch of fucking marketing people. Okay. Okay. Katie's got to have some kind of an identity. Claire was the oldest bachelorette. Tayshia was the second black bachelorette and replacement of Claire. Hannah was Hannah Beast. She was bold. She was whatever. Becca Kufrin, do the damn thing. What are we going to do for Katie? Somebody's like, what about be a Katie? Okay, okay, what does that mean?
1: You know. It means you dress like a vibrator.
0: (laughs) 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 That's what it's like. I guess. They're there all night. They can't come. Let's see if we can beat it. Let's give it seven hours and see if we can beat it. (laughs) Seven hours later, they can't. Fuck it. Have the t-shirt made. Oh, God. Anyway.
1: Regardless, whoever is hosting, time will tell. (laughs) Speaking of the most recent season, Matt James is in the news this week. He recently told People Magazine that he is pursuing a relationship with none other than his ring winner, Rachel Kirkconnell. Kirkconnell. James is quoted as saying, I've seen Rachel a handful of times. I'm not pursuing any relationships right now outside of that. I said I was going to focus on my relationship with her, and that means focusing on it. This statement comes in conjunction with images surfacing of the pair dining together at a restaurant called Bear Flag Fish Co., in Newport Beach, California. The couple obviously broke up immediately after the conclusion of season 25 when Kirkconnell found herself at the center of the most devastating racism scandal in the history of the game. James appears to be moving on from the fallout from these events and giving their relationship another shot. If they can manage to work things out and ultimately get married, James would only be the second bachelor in history to marry his ring winner. The other is, of course, Golden Child Sean Lowe and his ring winner, Catherine Giudici.
0: This is, uh, to some degree, surprising news, I would say. We know that they were seen together in the most recent weeks, and mm-hmm. all the stuff with Reality Steve was coming out about the other woman that he was dating. And, you know, we knew that they were at least talking to each other, that there was some form of a relationship that still existed between them now all this other stuff is coming out and he's openly saying in people that (laughs) they're fucking trying to get back together or are back together. Does this surprise you at all?
1: No. What? I don't know. It just seems like kind of similar to Pilot Pete's season. It's like, eh, might as well date someone after the show. Hmm. I don't think they're going to get married. Then what are they doing? This seems like a lot of
0: trouble to go through for just like, Mm. ah, we could date for a little while.
1: Maybe, but it's like in in some ways they've already been through it. They've been through the worst part of that.
0: But they're both at a moment in their lives where with the fame that they have from this, they have almost limitless options for dating. And they're choosing to dig through this shit. You're right. He's hanging out with the Kardashians. Yeah. So... I, I feel like if they do get back together... You could get Heather. <laughs> he just needs a pizza box or two.
1: You could get anyone.
0: I just feel like if they do get back together, it's going to be for the long haul. I don't think you go through this shit if you're not like committed and serious about this
1: being it. I think that is very generous. <laughs> I think we're still in a pandemic. It's comfortable. It's familiar. There's going to be stories about you. He's, you know, he might be following. I suggested this. I said he should date someone. Due to Tyler Cameron, Hannah Brown, will they, won't they? Mm-hmm. Why are you smiling? <laughs> you suggested he should date
0: someone, not Rachel Kirkconnell, though. Oh, right. I mean,
1: holy shit. <laughs> anyone. Just tie himself to anyone. Yeah. But her specifically? Stay in that Stay in that million club. <laughs> No, I don't know. Obviously, there's a lot we don't know, and I could barely speculate on.
0: Yeah, we don't know what's happening other than what we've reported, what Matt James has said, the pictures that have surfaced. But whatever's happening, we wish them both well. We hope that uh, the best outcome possible is the one that materializes for them. And now we move on to our final piece of Bachelor Nation news. This is the biggest story in Bachelor Nation over the past week. It involves Reality Steve. We're not exactly positive of the beginning of this timeline, but at some point last week, Becca Martinez and Jess Ambrose from the Chatty Broads podcast read and discussed old blogs That Reality Steve wrote recapping the show from Chris' soul season as well as a few others in that timeline. In which he described women in extremely problematic and misogynistic ways. Reality Steve then issued an apology on Twitter saying, quote, there is was no excuse for them. I'm embarrassed. I thought that way. I'm embarrassed. I wrote it. And ever since I've done whatever I could to change that line of thinking. Those that have followed me in recent years have recognized the change in my blog, in my tweets, and on my podcast. While it should have been removed earlier, they are currently being removed from my site. I have never shied away from acknowledging these writings and will always apologize for them. I do not think that way anymore, and I hope my behavior in recent years has proven that. I'm sorry to anyone who had to read those things. I am and will continue to do better.
1: Then, Demi Burnett one of the powerful members of the Million Club and part of the first same-sex relationship in the franchise's history, responded to that tweet with a statement, no, you haven't changed, Reality Steve, paired with a few images containing text. The first are her describing an incident in which Reality Steve had asked her to get on the phone and discuss something not in writing. Then he told her about a, quote, graphic sex dream he had about her, which Burnett said made her feel tricked into that conversation, uncomfortable, and it was, quote, really gross, saying that it was an unwanted and unprompted sexual advance. The last image she tweeted is a screenshot of their text conversation about it.
0: As controversy was building around these events, Jade Roper posted an IG story with a selfie, including the following text. From what I understand, there was a Reddit thread with screenshots showing old blogs of reality Steve writing some very degrading comments about me while I was on the show. This has been really throwing me for a loop today, bringing up a lot of old emotions and how it felt to read those things week to week and have his army come after me week to week. I know Chatty Broads talks about it in their most recent podcast too. I just want to say it feels like a weight off my shoulders to be seen to have someone say nobody deserves to be treated that way. So thank you for the support that's been shown my way.
1: Christina Shulman from season 21 joined the developing situation with an Instagram story of her own saying throughout my time on the shows, I would receive messages from reality. Steve stating his disapproval of the guys I was dating. He would send me negative messages about them. It's okay to be wanting updates and tea, but try to find a more reliable source one that is not degrading to every contestant who graces your TV screen. Um, there should be a trigger warning for this next part. um, Regarding rape and sexual assault. Um, Ashley Spivey of season 15, who has been doing Instagram lives with Reality Steve for some time and was actually on a live with Steve as he learned of the tweets, said, As a rape survivor and someone who has uncomfortably laughed my way through numerous incidents of sexual harassment, I unequivocally condemn Steve's actions and believe Demi. She also announced she is taking a step back from Bachelor Nation. And won't be commenting on the franchise or doing the Instagram Lives with Reality Steve from this point forward. Though she said this was a long time coming decision.
0: Reality Steve replied to Demi Burnett's tweet with an apology saying he had, in quotes, no idea at the time the conversation made Burnett feel that way. And he said, I am apologizing now, knowing how uncomfortable I made you feel. I crossed boundaries. I didn't think at the time I was crossing. I did not know until this day. So for that, I hope you can accept my apology. And the most recent development in this ongoing story has seen the chatty broads subsequently talking to Jade Roper and Jenna Cooper on their podcast about their experiences with Reality Steve and the manner in which he covered their time in game and out. This story is very likely far from over and we will continue to cover it as it develops.
1: I thought this was incredibly brave of Becca and Jess and Emmy and Jade and Jenna and Christina. Um, they all depend on Bachelor Nation as income and Reality Steve controls a lot of the narrative in Bachelor Nation uh, which can directly impact income as it sounds like it did when Jenna talked about it on Chatty Broads. I haven't gotten the chance to listen to these episodes yet because this week has been insane, but I'm definitely interested in hearing their perspectives. Um, again, I know there should be a trigger warning if you guys do check those out because they do discuss sexual assault.
0: Yeah, I haven't listened to all of the various episodes that are included in this either. We tried our best here to give kind of a pretty comprehensive timeline of each event as it happened and what led to the next event and I feel like this is potentially a turning point in how not just bachelor but reality tv is covered the kind of acceptance of like the more salacious tone of coverage of it Mm -hmm. I think might be on its way out with this and it's again I mean it's kind of like players unionizing to some degree it's players standing up and saying this is bullshit I won't accept it Mm -hmm. and it's forcing change in how we review the game
1: yeah, I mean, I think there's a broader reckoning in the country in some ways about different ways that people cause harm in racist police brutality and Me Too and healthcare being a human right, cetera. And people are looking at how we can have better society in general, how we can treat people better. And I think that definitely is a conversation that needs to be had in Bachelor Nation. I mean... I think I think the Demi tweets came right after we recorded on Wednesday and I saw it. And the first things that I saw were people instantaneously not believing Demi and accusing her of having a friend sending her those texts under that name. Like forging this, forging the screenshot. It's kind of
0: like what we were talking about up front. You pick the person who's going to be your parasocial relationship And then you fall in line with whatever they say. And if there's some other person who comes into that parasocial relationship with information contrary to the worldview you have based on that relationship, Mm -hmm. you're going to say, fuck you, that's not real. That's where we're at now as a society, whether that's Reality Steve and Demi Burnett or Joe Rogan and Dr. Fauci or Donald Trump and Joe Biden.
1: I just I found the whole situation to be extremely triggering and made me think about different power dynamics in various places that I've worked and like I worked at a a talent agency for a while and there is so much dark shit there that and you know we have this like Scott Rudin this producer has been recently outed for being a horrible boss and there's so many more of those stories that are just untold because people don't want to get blacklisted from the industry. Like, and I feel like this is Demi explains that that's why she didn't talk about how she was uncomfortable mm-hmm. to Steve because he does have so much more power over her. Um, I like, I realize I've told <laughs> such a low percentage of men who have made me uncomfortable that I was uncomfortable. It's mm-hmm. almost none. Yeah because it's just it often feels not worth it to do in the situation I mean there's tons of reasons that people don't but I hope you know I hope he's able to have meaningful apologies to Jade and Jenna and Demi and probably way more people and really reflect on this and the harm he's caused and like what kind of underlying biases you might have still in terms of misogyny, in terms of race, et cetera, and what he can do in the future to, be, to do better, and maybe people who don't see anything wrong with what he did can examine their biases as well. I highly recommend therapy to everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to see where this story goes, but certainly it is continuing to develop. And we are going to close out Bachelor Nation News on a little bit of a lighter note. With a couple of happy birthday wishes. Happy birthdays go out to Cassie Randolph, the ring winner of season 23. On April 27th, she turned 26 years old. And Catherine Giudice Lowe. That is the only ring winner to be married to the Bachelor of her season. That was season 17, Sean Lowe, the golden child. Catherine turns 35 on April 29th. Happy birthday to Catherine,
1: happy birthday
0: and now it is time to move on to that segment of our show where we talk about all of the plays that our favorite players are making off the field in the primary world in their parasocial environments that are being pumped directly into our brains via tiktok instagram twitter facebook youtube etc this is
1: The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. This week was heavy with parasocial work in the nation. First up, Madison Pruitt made a video of herself saying that she broke up with her football playing boyfriend, perhaps a preamble to her appearance on the next season of Bachelor in Paradise.
0: Joe Park and Brennan Marias turned out an entertaining Instagram story featuring Park giving Marias a haircut, followed by a charming dance shot in black and white to further the narrative of their burgeoning bromance.
1: Chelsea Vaughn, Piper James, Kit Keenan, Abigail Herringer, all did their own version of the Four Horsewomen of the Apocalypse in New York City over the weekend and launched a new Instagram, X's and the City, pinching PP and Dustin Kendrick's podcast title, Bachelors in the City, which in itself is a pinch from Sex in the City. Their first post to the new Instagram account? was a pass-the-phone video that likened each of these four players to various Sex and the City characters. And they also posted a reenactment of a shot from Sex and the City that had all four of them walking down a New York City street holding hands. Then, inexplicably, they all deleted these posts from their main grids and removed the X's in the City Instagram account. Seems like the Bachelor in Paradise producers cracked the whip on them, but also seems like New York is truly the new L.A. for the current generation of Bachelor players now.
0: This was a pretty fascinating thing that happened here. They are yes. getting together as a group to basically say, we're marching forward. We're going to do our own brand. I mean, this is perfect play, what they're doing. I, I was blown away.
1: Unbelievable. By this. I thought it was going to be our play of the week.
0: I did, too, until the Bachelor in Paradise producers are like, what the fuck are you doing? We're building rivalry plots for you. People can't think you're all four best fucking friends coming into Paradise to run game on us. The, I mean, this is clearly what happened. The The producers were just like, no, you can't do that if you want to come on Paradise. So we're going to have to wait a few months, but we are going to get X's in the city back. That's a tea. This is a brilliant play. Congratulations to all four of them.
1: I loved it and we know that this generation are good with unionization plays so we probably will never know this but I really want to know whose idea this was.
0: God yeah I don't know I could make cases for all four of them potentially having been the mastermind. (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yeah exactly. But uh, our two hosts of The Bachelor at Season Seventeen had an interesting play: Caitlin the goat Bristow, and Tasha. I don't like those people, Adams. Those people being us over here at Game of Roses. She famously <laughs> you like that said that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. She famously said that on her podcast, Clickbait. Uh, these two ladies performed a TikTok dance poolside in matching outfits. At the end, they reveal one of the producers, Nicole, filming the whole thing in the style of an Amy Poehler mom character in Mean Girls. This video has. million views and 224,000 likes.
1: That's parasocial power right there. Speaking of parasocial power, Katie Thurston is done with shooting her season and back on Instagram. On Wednesday, our next bachelorette posted a minute long video featuring herself getting dressed in the morning and heading to get her COVID-19 vaccine. On her trip, she reminds us that she's doing this for her mom, who's a frontline worker, her sister, who is pregnant, her friends, and even for us. The video is scored with bright, happy music that turns the entire thing into an impromptu PSA. Strong return to the parasocial arena from one of the most adept players we've ever seen. Welcome back, Katie. We missed you. Did she not
0: get vaccinated before going into the bubble?
1: I don't know (laughs) what I would assume they would vaccinate all of them immediately yes
0: that's what I thought as well so then if that's the case this was a video that she had saved or shot at the very least and just didn't have time to post it like from before going into the bubble maybe
1: or maybe she got it that makes more sense to me I
0: don't know it makes more sense
1: to me too I was just like
0: Okay, so the first thing she did when she gets back is get a vaccine. Great. Good that she's taking care of her health and doing the responsible thing. But then I immediately was like, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They didn't fucking vaccinate
1: anybody on her season? Especially the lead. Yeah, if she's not vaccinated. <laughs> Who would give them all COVID is. if exactly. she had COVID. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh strong parasocial. By the point. way, I've been seeing I've been seeing a bunch of celebrity vaccine videos recently, and I'm like you just got it. I don't know.
0: You think they made the videos and just held on to him until it was socially acceptable? I'm wondering. Cut in line. So,
1: I'm wondering. So, all strong plays this week, but for the parasocial play of the week, we have something that has never happened before in the history of Game of Roses coverage of parasocial plays of the week. I'm pretty sure it's possible it has happened. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave like a ten minute gamble.
0: Listen, this has never happened. This is historic. The world has about never to happened
1: to my knowledge. Well, maybe it did. But happen. unlike Joe Rogan, I'm not a perfect vessel for the news and all facts and time and space. Understood. Regardless, we have a tie. Clues and I refuse to come to a consensus about the parasocial play of the week. So we have two winners. First up, the real winner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh fuck. All right. Season twenty two's Moulin Rouge Group Date winner and the highest RQ player from that season, Becca Martinez, made more than one incredibly brave play this week. The second one is she and fellow podcast host Jess Ambrose journeyed to Villa Rosa, the infamous home of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star and creator of my favorite show, Vanderpump Rules, in order to interview Lisa Vanderpump, the queen herself. Becca posted a series of three images, first of her solo, then her with Ambrose, And then her and Ambrose with Lisa Vanderpump herself, the grand reveal. The caption reads, an afternoon at Villa Rosa, Rose emoji. You get it? It's the crossover between The Bachelor and Vanderpump.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I understand.
1: The the post has 50,570 likes and 384 comments. Parasocial plays don't often get a guttural reaction from me, but when I tell you I screamed, I screamed. Yes, maybe you have to understand the rich history of Villa Rosa and the specific role that it plays on Vanderpump Rules. It is essentially a mansion set in the sprawling hills with a moat outside in which actual swans reside, and the players of Vanderpump Rules who make it far enough in that game get to visit it, It's hosted surprise engagements, weddings, very important talks with her little dog, Jiggy, in her giant closet. It is stunning and over the top, as is Lisa Vanderpump. It is not the only Bachelor Vanderpump crossover we've seen. Sheena Shea from Vanderpump dated Robbie Hayes at one point.
0: And this was your Parasocial Play of the Week? Yes. I'm not taking anything away from this. It was astounding to see.
1: Yeah, Your question just took a lot away from it. Fuck you. <laughs> no, no, no. I,
0: look, it was probably my number two, a close second. I also revere Lisa Vanderpunk. What she has been able to do in the reality television world is unparalleled. She's an icon. And for Becca and Jess, who are icons in their own right, to team up with her at least in this moment, to combine power. This is a cataclysmic, historic event within not only Bachelor Nation, but just the parasocial world generally. Lisa Vanderpump Mm -hmm. is beyond the world of The Bachelor. So, congrats to them. Fantastic play. However, for me, there was a play that objectively speaking was a better play. My Parasocial Play of the Week, Mm -hmm. again, objectively speaking, goes to... Oh,
1: God. (laughs) These fucking preambles.
0: (laughs) The Dark Lord himself. I know many of us don't like the Dark Lord. Nonetheless, the play he made this week was fucking incredible. It was a black and white photo posted to his main grid. The image depicts himself and longtime girlfriend Lauren Zima kissing in an outdoor location. Harrison is in a suit. Zima is in what could easily be mistaken for a wedding dress, which led the entirety of Bachelor Nation to assume the couple took the plunge and got married this weekend. But careful examination of the comments reveals that Zima was in fact just a bridesmaid at a wedding and Harrison was her plus one to the event. But the framing, the black and white filter, the omission of any obvious explanation of the photo's context led most people to believe otherwise. And this was by far the most DMs I have ever received about literally anything in my 35 years of covering this sport. Everyone on planet Earth DM'd me, holy shit, they got married. They didn't. But the image was also covered in people. Us Weekly, all of the usual Bachelor Nation outlets. This post has 234,000 likes. And among the 1,600 comments, positive messages of support came in from Bachelor Nation luminaries like Caitlin Bristow, your goat, commented positively on this, this photo. Is tough. Trista Sutter, the very first bachelorette commented positively on this photo. Tanner Tolbert, Jojo Fletcher, Wells Adams, Ashley Iaconetti, Ali Fedotowski, Michelle Money, and even the Mossman himself, Dale Moss, commented blessings. This post represents the first time since the extra interview that rocked Bachelor Nation to its foundation that upper-level players have offered any kind of visible support to the estranged host. Of our beloved game. I mean, this shit was everywhere immediately, and all of these huge bachelor people are supporting it. I don't know if this helps him in any way get back into the game as host, but it It can't hurt. Absolutely
1: does. That is why. (laughs) That is why Days Case is fucking over. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) No blessings for you, Days Case. You unfollow (laughs) Dilma's. I I reverse glow. I reverse blessings.
0: I was just like, fuck. This could literally be a single Instagram post that changes the trajectory of Bachelor Nation if he gets to come back because of it.
1: Look, I understand what you're saying. I will never give my parasocial play of the week to DLH and it is a weird thing to think about that you had so many people DM that to you because he's probably just looking at that post he's looking at the engagement I'm just picturing him like clicking view insights he's looking oh my god look how many people have DM'd it and It made me think, and maybe it has made him think, this could be his way back in. Totally. Mary Zima.
0: Well, the images of them kissing. I mean, think what you will about Lauren Zima. People have their opinions one way or another. But not only does this image kind of look like they're married or getting married, it humanizes him. It shows him in this romantic, Mm -hmm. affectionate moment with another fucking human being. And for a split second, not even a split second, as I I just read all those fucking names off, all of those people are like, oh my God, so cute. Holy crap, I can't believe you guys are getting married. Whatever. It was all supportive. The scandal is gone with this picture. There's not a mention of that from any of these giant Bachelor Nation players. It's a. It's also
1: showing that Zima is standing with him.
0: That too, exactly. It's support from the person that loves him, who still is in the entertainment industry. She's on Entertainment Tonight. She's not reporting about Bachelor anymore, but she's still in it. She's still part of this world. And if she has that lifeline and he's with her, can he ride it back in? I don't know what the, the end result will be of any of this, but this post, I was like, fuck. He's, he's done something here. And so that for me, objectively, yeah. I'm not saying that I agree with him coming back as a host. I'm just saying the play he made here was fucking fantastic, period, end of story.
1: I mean, it's not Lisa Vanderpump, so... <laughs> no, it's not. It's almost meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> right. I understand.
0: Uh, so that concludes <laughs> our Parasourge Plays of the week. And now we move on to that portion of this show in which Pace Case and I journey deep to the bottom of the pit from where we issue our screams forth into the world so that you may hear them, and we may discuss how this show is affecting our lives. This is
1: Screams
0: Screams from from the the Pit!
1: This week's Screams from the Pit are a little different because these are about both of us going on a journey outside of the pit. We've been in it for a very long time, barely looked up. But both Clues and I journeyed for a brief moment outside this week. It was an insane week. We also both got our (laughs) COVID vaccines. God, when was was that? It was last Wednesday. Last Wednesday.
0: We're recording this on Wednesday, and and we got our shots seven days ago.
1: We got our shots right before we recorded. And I maybe was in bed for three days. (laughs) It it was a little rough. Get your vaccine, though. But I also had a project due that was not Bachelor-related. It involved writing. But I am very proud of myself because... Not only did I not put a bachelor joke in the whole body of work I was working on, but I didn't even think of one. I wasn't even like, oh, I should put this and then stop myself. It wasn't even at all. No bachelor jokes. And to me, that is amazing.
0: That's progress. That's a return to humanity. It is. Congratulations. I fully support this and I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you had like a good time working on that project and that the creative juices were flowing and it's fucking fantastic.
1: I did enjoy it a lot and it is growth because I got a lot of bachelor jokes into the good place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I
0: too ventured outside the pit this weekend to engage in what I would consider my re-entry into public after the pandemic. I know it's only been a week.
1: Your debutante ball? <laughs> yeah, I had a debutante
0: ball. It was my coming out party. Did
1: you wear a middle part?
0: I, can't, I don't have a part. I just shaved my head. I have no part. <laughs> I decided that I was going to go to a fucking movie. Because movie theaters have been open here for about a month and a half. And in L.A., my favorite movie theaters are all now bankrupt and shut down, so I never get to go there again to see movies where I like to see them. All that's Mm. left is the giant conglomerate AMC. But there was a movie playing this weekend called Demon Slayer Mugen Train. It is the movie that caps off the first season of an anime series I really like called Demon Slayer. And it's in movie theaters Hmm. right now because it's one of the top box office movies of this year. It's destroying like Wonder Woman and shit. What is it called? Demon Slayer. Mugen Train. Mugen? Yeah. M-U-G-E-N. Hmm. So I was like, when am I going to have the opportunity to see an anime on the big screen ever, first of all? Never fucking happens. Let alone one that's contemporary. And crushing box office worldwide, whatever that even means in the contemporary movie industry. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go to this goddamn movie. I bought my little tickets on my phone just like I used to over a year ago. And I went to AMC Cinemas at the Century City Mall in Los Angeles. I don't (laughs) know if I'm ever going to go to another movie. Let me just say that. Uh, Oh, no. Yeah, it was a very bad experience. The movie was fantastic i loved the fucking movie it was so goddamn good it's beautiful visually so good the experience of going to century city mall was not beautiful it was a fucking nightmare (laughs) like trying to find parking which is something that even right at the uh, beginning of the pandemic for like the past year i basically didn't drive i would just take lifts everywhere yeah But now I only drive. I'm not getting in somebody's fucking car. So I have to drive, find a parking spot, you know, all the regular hassles. But you're not getting in
1: someone's car, but you're going in a movie theater.
0: For this one time, I was like, I'll go in a movie theater and see what it's like. I looked on the little app and it shows you like how they mark off seats and shit so people can't sit next to each other. And I was like, whatever, I'll be okay. Also, I'm vaccinated. And psychologically, I felt like I was ready for this. And I was. Mm -hmm. But the thing was... That parking the lot
1: is really bad. I've gotten yeah. lost and had to have friends drive me around.
0: Century City is the worst mall in Los Angeles, bar none. I loathe it. It also happens to be where the nearest AMC is, so I have to go there. <laughs> so anyway, walking around the mall was a strange experience. Hundreds of people, some masked, some not. That was weird. Mm-hmm. The thing that was the worst about it though, was getting to the movie theater There's something about walking into the movies since I was a little kid that is like fucking magic for me. It's why I wanted to get involved in this industry in the first place, that it's like an event. You walk in, you see the posters all over the walls for the new movies that are coming out and the cardboard standees of the fucking rock or whatever. And all that shit is like exciting and fun. All of that excitement, all of that fun was gone. The posters are still there. The cardboard standees are still there. It just wasn't the same. It was like a death had claimed that fucking place. The the spark that made movies magical is fucking gone, period. And that, for me, was the worst part about all of this. But seeing the movie, sitting in the movie theater, I thought I'd be freaked out by having other people around me. I really wasn't. I feel like that psychological component of it is not going to be difficult for me to get back to normal. The thing that just made me very sad was like going to see a movie in a movie theater. It don't feel the same.
1: It might one day, though.
0: Yeah, maybe. It might one day. I agree. And I'm sure I'll continue going. And just
1: don't go to Century City. (laughs) Where am I going to go?
0: Sunset 5? Those theaters are fucking terrible. It's just like there's no good place to see a movie in LA anymore. Berkeley? Bankrupt. Closed forever. For all time.
1: I was was just doing a mean joke.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. My favorite movie theater of all time was another Pacific movie theater in the Grove. That's where I love to see fucking movies. Closed for all time. Never see another movie there again.
1: But they'll put another theater in the Grove.
0: What company's going to do it? AMC? They got Sunset 5 and Century City that's barely making them any money.
1: Hmm. I just imagine the demand for popcorn will be too great at one point. So I'll have to come back.
0: Buy some stock in popcorn companies.
1: I don't know if it comes back
0: like that was the feeling that I got from this is like "Mm, maybe movie theaters are Mm -hmm. just over. Maybe that's not a thing we do as a society anymore. Because I definitely could have just watched Mugen Train on my TV and been fine with it. Definitely could have. But you can't because it's only in theaters right now. Otherwise, I would have (laughs) already watched it, you know. (laughs) At any rate, that was my experience outside the pit.
1: Sounds bad. (laughs) Stay in the pit. Uh, yeah, it was bad,
0: but I, my disconnecting with the bachelor for whatever, you know, probably took me three hours total that whole experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about the bachelor once I was locked into the movie. I was like, you know, really present in the experience of being in a public space and what that was like and like how I was reacting to it. That was interesting to me. And I did not miss the bachelor at all for those three hours. And then I came home and I began work immediately on one of the final chapters of our Bachelor book and was right back in the fucking pit until I went to sleep that night.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for what it's Never wrong. stop, right. never stopping.
0: That is it. That is the conclusion of this week in Bachelor Nation. Thank you everyone for joining us for all of our news, all of our screams, all of our parasocial plays, our state of the world. And thanks for sending us the tids. Especially thanks to the 245,000 people who sent me DMs about Dark Lord Harrison getting married to Laura and Zima. And then also thank you oh to those God. same people for sending me a follow-up DM saying, oh, I just read the captions.
1: <laughs> That's the thing that I don't get about that. And I think part of, part of why I still don't... I see, what, I see your argument for Parasocial play, but I didn't, for a, I didn't for a single second think that they had gotten married. Not a, not a millisecond. If Lauren
0: Zima and the Dark Lord engage in unholy matrimony, it's not going to be revealed in a fucking black and white photo of them kissing with a vague caption. It's going to be on the cover of People Magazine. It's going to be a giant event that has hours of video yeah. and, you know,
1: all of that. It's and not- it's going to have Caitlin Bristow, Wells, fucking dale moss <laughs> they'll, they'll be, be there. there yeah exactly all the people who commented only <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> that's how you get your invitation
0: we got to go back and comment anyway i you know whatever no no fault is is placed on anybody who didn't see it in the first right passing i just thought that it was like it was crazy the amount I of times they got was tricked by
1: kayla quinn's april fool <laughs> <joke. laughs> but that was a purposeful <laughs>
0: trick the thing that was genius about this dark lord harrison play was like it was purposely vague he kind of it seemed like he wanted to stoke that reaction of like oh maybe this will make people 100%. think i'm married to lauren it was so that was like part of the genius behind it but at any rate thank you everybody for dming it to me bringing it to my attention and for anybody who listened to our episode from tuesday and heard me mention that i used to have an old instagram account called nick vial though i have since learned that account no longer exists i think instagram must have taken it down but there's another account named Nick Vial No that some of you have started following. And that account was an account that my partner did in reaction to Nick Vial Though. And so some of those memes are references to memes from the Nick Vial Though account, which now no longer exists. I hope that clears things up. And once again, thanks to everybody who purchased one of our four TRR shirts. Those should be arriving in the mail to you very soon. Some people have already gotten them. So if you haven't gotten yours yet, keep an eye on the mailbox. It should be there literally within days. Can't wait to see everybody wearing them to their viewing parties of Katie Thurston's first night one on June 7th. Fuck, I can't believe that's right around the corner. I'm starting to get excited again.
1: I'm so excited.
0: I get worn down a little in the off season. You know, you get into that grind where you're just like only reporting on the news and there's no game. And then it's like, oh, fuck, the game's
1: about to start again. Yeah. Everyone's back on Instagram doing their little Instagram debuts. We'll be breaking down the players in the coming weeks.
0: And if you're on our Patreon, we'll have a new episode out for you this coming Monday. We're going to be going through the list of all the players in the Million Club. These are essentially the most successful players in the history of the game. We're going to start at the lowest Instagram count, which will be around a million even, and go all the way up to the top, which is Hannah Brown at 2.6 million. So you will want to check that out. And you can only check it out on Patreon. And as always, before we go, what is the Dwab at?
1: It has been 6,975 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game.
0: Please rate this podcast.
1: Please review this podcast. Please get a
0: friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water. 15%
1: tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare if you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor viewing parties i'm gonna let you in on a little secret i found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines, and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rose. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part
0: of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So, if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing.
1: What's in the box?
0: On every order. Join the club today, and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skibuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really.